Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today I have two of my all-time favorite guests on this podcast together, right? It's, it's like the dynamic duo on this podcast uh, or a trifecta if you want to throw me into the mix here. And, uh, so I'm really, really excited. We're going to be talking about some very important topics that are, that are timely for what we're going through right now. And then also as we look forward to the holidays and, and beyond, we're we'll talking about how do we deal with volatility? How do we deal with some of the new changes and, and uh, uh, tweaks and quirks that are happening in some of the online ad platforms, specifically Facebook? We're going to take a good look at data and some things you should be spot checking right now for problems as you prepare for the holiday and beyond. Hey, e-commerce evolution listeners, I hope you like free stuff. I also hope you like free stuff that's actually worth a lot of money. If so, I have some great resources that are yours for the taking. If you've been wanting to dominate with YouTube ads, but you don't know exactly where to get started, or maybe you're doing a little bit on YouTube ads, but you want better ideas for ads, request our free top YouTube ad templates guide. It's 16 of the best YouTube ads we've ever seen. We break them down, show you why they work, how they work, and how to apply the principles to your next YouTube ad. We also have the ultimate guide to getting authentic customer testimonials. And we have a Google shopping guide that's very timely and something that I think most sellers need. If you sell on Amazon, we also have a couple of resources for you there our DSP Roadmap, and our Sponsored Brand Video Success Guide. These are all free for you. I think they're going to be super, super helpful. Check them out at omgcommerce.com. Click on Resources and then Guides, and I hope they create a breakthrough for you. And now, back to the show. I am delighted to welcome to the show the CEO of Smart Marketer, Molly Pittman. What's up, Molly? Hey, Brad. Hey, everybody listening. Happy to be here. And uh, yeah, just hanging out in Amsterdam. <laughs> um, a little bit jealous. Kind of, a little bit jealous. Yeah, <laughs> glad to have a little break from the U.S. right now. But um, yeah, happen. just ex excited about life. Like there's a lot of crazy stuff happening, but our industry is seeing like the biggest growth we've ever seen, you know, yeah, super yeah. quickly. It's so been, been there's so much... So much to be excited about and yeah. yeah, happy to just share our experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And then your partner in crime, the CMO of Smart Marketer, and really legitimately one of the smartest dudes I know, John <laughs> Grimshaw. What's up, Grimshaw? Thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, happy to be here. I'm really excited to jump on and chat. Always fun to, to get on this podcast. I think you're really good at uh, teasing out good topics. You know, it's nice. Yeah. Sometimes you feel like you got to bring the the whole backpack yourself as the guest. You do a great <laughs> job of, uh, you know, pulling you the make it easy. stuff out. With right, good. Yeah, Thank nice. you. I, pre I appreciate yeah. that. I, I enjoy, we enjoy, I enjoy, this. I enjoy interviewing smart people. So that, that helps for sure. You are not hailing from Amsterdam, John. You are coming from Texas. Yeah, smack dab in the middle of Austin. Uh, I have been cleansed of the Texas accent unless I've had exactly one drink and then it really comes out strong. But oh, are, you are you from Texas? Are you Texas native? I am, yeah. I'm actually from Austin, so I'm the only that. person that lives in this city uh, and was born here. <laughs> True, <laughs> about right. It's all it's all uh, technology implants, you know. People mm -hmm. relocating for the 
the tech energy in Austin. Um, what's interesting, so I'm from Missouri, Springfield, Missouri. I did the same thing, man. I, I'm not a huge fan of the accent in my part of the country. And so like, I've deliberately tried. So I've had people say like, are you from California? Where are you from? Like, no, no, Missouri, just uh, working on that, that accent cleansing. And uh, so anyway. I mean, that's a real thing though. You know, I'm from Kentucky and same thing. People are like, Molly, where'd your accent go? You know, <laughs> so we have all successfully accent yeah. cleansed, but Which, I, you know, I, lo- I, I love where I'm from. I kind of miss it. it. Love it. I just don't want to, I want to sound like not that. So anyway, I just want to be <laughs> network TV ready at any moment, right? We can <laughs> yeah, jump exactly. in front of the teleprompter and tell people what's going on in the world. If I, if I get are. that call. Yeah. If I get that call to, you know, take my skills to, to, you know, one of the networks, I'll, I'll be ready. So uh, good guys. Well, hey, uh, you know, one of the things that we're dealing with a lot right now, and at, at the time of this recording, you know, we had some some really crazy times, especially in the Facebook world, even last week, some severe volatility. So uh, I want to kind of get, you know, pick your brains. You guys are, are two of the best here at, you know, ad strategy, ad creatives, data testing, figuring out what's working, what's not, and where do we go from here? So, so just in general, how do you approach volatility? And I'll, I'll start with you. Yeah, I, this is timely right now in 2020 because, and I don't know if you've seen this on Google, they send, tend to have similar trends. But with Facebook, we've seen just in 2020, like the cheapest ad costs, you know, in like five or so years, right after COVID happened, you know, people quit spending, supply went up because people were spending. I think Facebook reported they've seen overall a 15% increase year over year in just usage on their platforms because people are home. What else you going to do besides scroll, yeah. scroll YouTube or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, and then you have brands that aren't quite sure what's going to happen with their business or the fate of the economy. People cut back on spend. And so for a few months in March, April, May, even into summertime, we saw really cheap ad costs, which, of course, very exciting. (laughs) A, A silver lining there. And then on the other hand, the last month or two, we've really, not only have we seen ad costs sort of go back to normal, oh, normal-ish, right? Um, but you're also seeing a lot of volatility on the platform. And we just started a free 10-day boot camp all about Facebook ads, just for free, help as many people as we can. And one of the posts, one of the questions that we asked when people joined the group was, what is your number one struggle with Facebook advertising? And the most common answer was definitely like the volatility, right? And so this is really timely right now because like I said, the last few months have been completely across the board. And I think there are a few reasons for this. Late summer is always when Facebook pushes out updates for some reason. So they're in the midst of changing the platform to get ready for Q4. Um, And anytime you see Facebook, the platform is becoming buggy. Um, You know, there's a whole rabbit hole to go down there. That seems to cause volatility. I think you also have... Um, a huge surgence of ad spend of people starting their Q4 back to school type of advertising. And then of course you have the election, you know, and I don't know if you guys know this, but there's a Facebook ads library where you can go type in certain Facebook pages, see the ads they're running. And if they're political, you can actually see the amount of money that they're spending. 
Well, both parties have hundreds of pages. And so we're estimating that they're spending right now, you know, something like 50 million, $100 million a week on Facebook ads. So that's also changing the, you know, situation. So anyways, this is a very interesting time on the Facebook platform, but we've seen many of these, right? Like this happens every year, something occurs um, and you wake up one day and your CPA is double what it was the day before, you know, and it's scary and I get it. And I'm not saying it's fun, but it's part of being a media buyer, right? Like this is part of the excitement. If you want to avoid volatility, then don't advertise on Facebook, right? Or or avoid exactly. potentially every other platform as well. I I heard an yeah. interview with it's part of the uh, game. <laughs> yeah, heard an interview with Andrew Stan. He's one of the directors for Pixar, and I'm a huge Pixar fan because they tell great stories, and they're they're really really good at what they do. But he talks about he kind of uses this analogy of a boat, right? And so so like leading a creative team to to make a movie, it's like like taking a ship across the ocean and like you're going to hit storms and there's going to be problems. There's going to be like chaos and crisis. And so if you want, if you want to avoid that, don't get on the boat. Like that's the only, <laughs> that's the only yeah. way to avoid it is to not get on the boat. And so right. obviously and, and we, not, we want these. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, and not thinking of it like a day trading platform. Like this isn't just math. This is social media. Our world is chaotic and in a state of crisis. And that is going to be reflected on these platforms because these platforms are inhabited by humans, you know, and they're the ones that are buying your stuff. But it it does suck when this happens whenever, actually, I think it was last week, two weeks ago, Boris, the CMO from Boom, he's like, guys, woke up today, CPA has doubled. You know, this Mm -hmm. is not good. And so whenever that happens, just for you guys, not the message you want to hear in the morning over your cup of coffee that our CPA is doubled now. No, Um, but we always, we we let it ride for three days at least Um, because sometimes no changes. So you let, you just let it ride for three days just to see. Okay. Yeah. Is the thought you're going to see if the, if the algo kind of corrects itself, like if, if the machine, if it just levels out. Yeah, see if it can recover, you know, sometimes, especially if it's a reporting issue or some sort of glitch in the platform, you know, you see that rise, but it's not always even the case, right? It just might be a reporting issue or something going on in the platform. So we always give it three days to just see if things can recover or to try to figure out what the hell is going on. And we usually assume that it's us, right? So first thing is like, (laughs) are we processing payments? Is a page broken? Like, is there something Something that we're- Cart, yeah. right? Is there, is there something a, a broken that's broken on the site? Something. And a lot of times that's actually the case. You know, people freak out and they're like, Facebook's broken. And, you know, come to find out your, your domain expired. You got, or, you got, you got know, cart something. errors. You got cart errors that are, you know, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But if we check those areas and everything looks normal, and after three days we haven't recovered or we're not in at least a better place then, you know, you do have to make the decision, okay, I need to turn this off. And then you kind of go back through that media buying process of, okay, I need to build new campaigns. Those fatigued, they're not working. And, you know, what can I do differently aside from whatever craziness might be going on in the world or on the platform? Uh, What can maybe I do differently to try to re-enter the auction in in a place that's more profitable? So, uh, but definitely part of the game and it's not all sunshine and roses as a media buyer. (laughs) <laughs> it's a tough gig. And, and in a minute, John, I want to dig into some of the, the data and the ways you look for problems and try to uncover the, the root of a, of a problem where you're going to kind of go from there. But well, just to kind of circle back to this, because I think this is important. Um, we, we deal with some volatility on the, the Google side. You know, OMG is mainly a, a Google and Amazon 
traffic agency. I do a lot with YouTube personally. We have volatility on YouTube too. It has been, oddly enough, a little more stable lately, thankfully, which has been kind of cool. Uh, but and there's it's always, an older like, platform too. Like it, it is Google has older, their shit together in a much, yeah, and almost unlimited inventory. Yeah, yeah there, there's there's a few things going for YouTube that make it a little little bit easier, and some audience differences that that allow for creatives to last longer on YouTube than they do on Facebook. So there's some things there, but still we 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 deal with challenges and like a campaign that worked at a certain budget doesn't work when we bump it up to the next budget or works at a certain bid level, but then we try to tinker with that, it stops working. So like there, there are things that are, are issues there. How do you get your mind right, Molly? To, because I think that's like, you know, we'll, we'll talk technical stuff, but I think actually getting your mindset right is important too. How do you get your mind right to be able to, to deal with the volatility and to keep your creativity up and to tackle problems objectively and things like that? Any, any tips? And maybe you're just an amazing person and, and it's like easy and so you just go for it. But do you have any any yeah. thoughts there? Are you mind? Well, right? I mean, it's it's not always easy, and sometimes it does affect your mood. I think the biggest advice I could give is um, try to separate yourself from the results that you're getting. Um, I see a lot of students, and I've gone through this. Like things aren't going well, and then you melt and you yeah. go to this no depressive good. state. I'm, I'm no good. Yeah, that is only going to completely block your creativity and cause you to suffer, right? And actually lead you to that place which you are not in, <laughs> you're not actually in in that moment. Like that is totally your ego. Um, and for anyone that struggles with this, definitely read or listen to the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. She talks about how creativity actually works, like from an energetic standpoint. And when I read her book is when I understood like, oh, Molly, you getting emotionally upset about <laughs> these campaigns not working is causing you to block your own creativity. Mm -hmm. So I think as, as of course, you want to celebrate it. And of course, you're going to feel disappointed if you you care if you're invested, but you have to realize that like, yeah, it doesn't, the, the results of the campaign doesn't really say who you are as a person yeah. or yeah. a marketer. So I think when you're able to do that, then you can just be more grounded and accept. I mean, to this day, I would say 60 to 70% of what I try or do still doesn't work. Hmm. But I try to celebrate that as much as what does work because it's a it's a teaching moment, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. A, your skill set as a media buyer is part knowledge and information, but it's mostly experience. And not yeah. all of that experience is going to be what works. You know, you're going to yeah. learn even more from what didn't. So Yeah, I, I love um, it. I think that a couple things, and there's a... There's a leader that I really like to, to listen to his podcast and stuff. His name's Craig Groeschel, but he talks about how, you know, training your brain to see problem and think opportunity, right? Like that should be your immediate reaction. Problem, ah, but opportunity. Opportunity, you know, in our case is like to learn, to learn something really big and important that we can share with our community or share with other clients or just use to benefit our business, right? So there's an opportunity there. There's an opportunity to, to discover some new campaign or some new uh, approach that we didn't have before, that if everything was just going along smoothly, you would have never been forced to think that way, right? So we see problem, we think opportunity. Uh, understanding that the creative process is a little bit messy, right? And then mm -hmm. one of the things we talked about as a team recently is that our job, and, and this I was talking to our, our project manager, our account managers, and our, our specialists, and our whole team, I think this applies to media buyers too. Your job is not to have the right answer. That's not your job. Mm -hmm. Your job is not to say, Here's the problem. Oh, well, I know exactly the answer to it. No, no, no. Your job is to think of, here's the issue we're seeing, problem or opportunity, whatever. 
here are some hypotheses that I have, mm-hmm. right? So these are three or four tests. So based on what we're seeing, I think there's a few ways we could go. I think this could work, or I think this could work, or I think this could work. Well thought out, well structured, and then you run with that. That's your job, mm-hmm. right? And then, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, I, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Molly. Even the famous, the world famous Molly Pittman, 60% of the stuff she does doesn't work. <laughs> but that's fine, yeah. right? That's like <laughs> we're playing baseball. That's like a Hall of Fame career, right? You know, 40, 40 batting 400 or whatever. Uh, so we're really not trying to, to solve it in one fell swoop or have the right answer. We're laying out a process to solve these problems. And so uh, I want to kick that to you, John. Um, any first mindset uh, tips or, or ways you like to tackle problems? And I know, I know you, you get nerdy, man. I know you like to dig. <laughs> so I've learned to, to reel back on the math when I jump on these. So don't worry. But I, I really like that you teed it up perfectly. Uh, something Molly said, Facebook is not a day trading platform. My my mental perspective on it is, yes, that's exactly correct. Because day trading is pushed a lot by external factors. Uh, diagnosing problems is a lot like waking up and feeling like crap. And you do the mental calculus to say, what thing that I did yesterday is the problem, right? Did I have too much to drink? Yeah. I had one beer. No, that's not it. Did I eat too much crappy food? Oh, I did eat fast food three times. Like That might be it. It's like, oh, no, wait. The night before, I stayed up till two a.m. watching whatever on Netflix, and this is the this is the the Sandman coming for his due. And so that is that is what it is, right? We're really kind of thinking about things that we've done, and I think you do frame that well, Molly. That there's a lot of opportunity in changing what we've created, right? And going through this sort of process to identify which piece it is that breaks. And so Molly mentioned the ten day boot camp. We actually. I've been running quite a bit of ad spend for that lately and had sort of this experience ourselves. Um, we got it out of the gate and it didn't look bad, right? We were, I think, sitting at like $4 cost per lead, something like that, three fifty, dollars uh, which is a little higher than we were expecting. And so I decided to dive in and, and do the process. And I, I looked gotcha. so around. So just to frame this, so you're... you're running ads for your free bootcamp, which by the way, is that free bootcamp still open or is that, is that closed at this point? Yeah, it's it's still open. Um, and we'll, we'll you know, link to that in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That'd be great. Cool. Um, so yeah, we're running ads for this, and you know, I kind of I like your hypothesis word, right? I think of myself as a scientist. I put on the lab coat when I come in and try to do stuff. And while things may be working, right? Four dollar cost per lead, not so bad. Not bad. Uh, yeah. I think we could make it better. And so I go through my checklist of what you know the different metrics look like. So I look at conversion rate on the page. I look at how individual ads are performing, right? What's the click-through rate? I jump in and I look at... Um, this is actually one I don't look at as much, but Molly looks at the, the CPM, basically the cost per 1,000 impressions. Uh, and those give us a lot of indicators as to where the opportunity is. And I realized with this... Um, now, just, just real quick, and I hope I don't derail you, but I'm curious because okay. it's always interesting. So Molly looks at CPM, you don't as much. And just full transparency, I don't look at CPM a whole lot either. But curious, Molly, why do you look at CPM? What are you looking for there? And John, why don't you? I think this will be a fun little quick diversion. Well, I'm usually looking at things from the media buyer standpoint. So I'm in the ad account figuring out, is it the targeting, the ads? Like, what's going on here? Like, where is the biggest opportunity for improvement? John's looking a bit more, he's looking big picture, but he's looking a bit more uh, post-click. 
So for me, CPM is not one of the first things I look at, but if my other numbers look good, if my click-through looks good, like all of that looks good, then CPM for me is an indication of one of two things. Either my targeting is just not specific enough and therefore the competition is too too broad, too high, and therefore I'm just paying more to reach these people, or it's an indication of something like what's happening right now, where the uh, the market, the Facebook's marketplace has just changed and become so much more competitive over the last month or two. So that's that's when I look to CPM numbers and kind of what they tell me. But I don't look at CPM to be like, oh, we're doing a good job or a right, bad job. Right. You know, yeah. it's a yeah. complete like secondary metric totally to allow us to diagnose yeah. some sort of issue. Yeah, totally makes sense. Awesome. Anything you would add to that, John? Or if not, let's get back to your your uh, train of thought. Sorry, I derailed you there. No, no, no worries at all. And yeah, that's I was going to lead to that too. But the volatility we talked about, we saw that. And so maybe I'm putting the cart before the horse here. But um, we saw, you know, about a week into this, our costs had skyrocketed. And it was a big kind of like, uh-oh, what did we do wrong? But we really went in and looked at all the metrics and everything looked really solid, right? Performance was actually up from where I checked it before when you're looking at click-through rate and conversion rate and all this stuff. And that's when Molly jumped in and said, wow, the CPM has increased like crazy. And we realized you could see the same thing reflected that's external, in Hulu. Though. That's an external. So, yeah, this is, this is yeah. right when, when Boris kind of gave us the, hey, something is a little bit funky about what we're seeing. And so it was a good indicator that you know, obviously we want to be agile and do what we can to make the most of higher CPM. But it wasn't something where we had to go in and fix, you know, clean our house up situation. It was right. it was more and, of a Facebook has changed. And when we started to see it in Boone's ad account and the other ad accounts that I'm a part of, that tells me that it's also not market specific or even a certain business type. It's like Facebook's ecosystem, like this is just changing for all of us right now. Yep, it's a sea change basically. Maybe maybe it's short lived, but it's a change. That's it's like the weather, right? We're all we're all in it. Exactly. Can't change it. Yeah. We just have to <laughs> to learn to adapt a little bit. Um, other any other tips you would give Molly as you're troubleshooting a campaign that's just not working? Any other yeah. checklist items or thoughts you you you'd give there? Well, I mean, we definitely always start with the page because. You know, making tweaks and improvements in your ad campaigns, specifically in Facebook, um, you know, doing a lot of tinkering is not always good. The more you can just let Facebook do its thing and not press a lot of buttons and change a lot of stuff (laughs) mid-campaign, the better. We see this on YouTube, too. If you, like, start to get antsy and you overcorrect, and we go, oh, midway up, oh, midway down, oh, like that... It's not good. It resets things. Like it resets the optimization. It confuses Facebook. They're headed in one direction. Then you tell them to move over here. Like that's that's tough. And so we always start with the page because any improvements we can make post-click are going to decrease the cost per lead or cost per acquisition without us having to touch anything in the ad account. So, I mean, that's really like with this launch, um, you know, simple opt-in page, we're optimizing for a custom conversion on the thank you page. We're telling Facebook, hey, you know, we want people to opt in for this bootcamp. And so, of course, that's the first place that we start. And we did notice that, we are mobile traffic. John, you can speak to this more, but it was higher than it's ever been, like significantly higher. 
And so we did make a change to the page to make it more mobile friendly. And we saw like a 12 or 13% increase, which that helped right out of the gate. Oh, so over 13% increase in, in what? In conversion rate, in and traffic? And what? In, in conversion rate, in wow. opt-in. So, you know, that decreases the cost per lead 12 or 13% without us having to mess with Facebook's optimization, especially early in the campaign. So that's, that's where I we like always start. The- the page side because I can tinker, right? You can't tinker with yeah. Facebook, but with the page, <laughs> ooh, boy, I can get in there and do anything I want because I yeah. know how to edit it. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah so John's John, looking at heat maps and sorry, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. John, what what are you what do you look at on the page? Like, what are some of your top tips in terms of what do you see in the data, and then what does that cause you to look at on the page? Yeah. So the two things I do first, whenever I'm evaluating anything, is I jump in and I look at. Uh, especially for like an opt-in, or you could do this for a purchase as well. But I want to see what the conversion rate is for different devices, right? So I want to see how people are performing on desktop versus mobile, uh, tablet, you can kind of throw in there, but usually it's a very small percentage. And I want to see conversion rate for different traffic sources. So this would include the different campaigns we're running on Facebook. It would also include anything we're running on Google, our emails and all this stuff to not just get this kind of, you know, shotgun broad strokes look, but really go in and, and try to laser target and find if there's something that's not working. And so we and saw on this page, story. you know, John, yeah, exactly. but it's like, this is a story you're building guys. Like you're a detective when you're in this mode, right? Like you're trying to figure out, it's not just this didn't work, move on. Right. It's yep. like this didn't work or did work. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Or perhaps executive at Pixar, right? Storytelling. So uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're jumping in and I saw that mobile traffic was 90% of visits to the page, which is crazy because normally we're looking at a 60-40 split where 60% is mobile. Uh, And so that was kind of the first big change I noticed that said, okay, this is a thread I need to investigate further because there's something to uh, our opt-in rate being a little lower than we wanted it to, and I think this is connected. And when I ran some heat maps on the page, uh, I noticed two big things. Um, On desktop, people scrolled pretty much all the way to the bottom. But on the mobile phone, the fold, which is the spot in the page where when you open the open the window up, you know, this is what people see immediately. You couldn't actually see any of the form fields. So you saw the headline and you saw some descriptive copy, but nobody knew that they had to fill out a form to get this. And only 52% of people scrolled down to the point where they could click the I'm interested button. And so right wow. away... I'd seen this on other clients before and I should have checked it myself, but when you're getting something at the door, sometimes you're just like, let's get it live. Yep, yep, (laughs) yep. Speed, speed becomes priority. Yeah. But Um, I realized we needed to pull some of that copy out. And so that's that's the test model I mentioned that we set up that basically um, shortened the copy a little bit at the top, shrank the fonts, and it pulled the opt-in form up where people could see all the fields. And they could say, hey, this is my next step. Exactly. Other than, hey, I don't know what to do here. And so that was a 12 to 13% increase, just just reworking the copy, changing the size a little bit to get that form above the fold. That was like 12, 13% mm-hmm. increase. That's awesome. Yeah. We're and, almost and so, done with the split test, but I, I think it's going to end up around 10% lift, but I mean, that's still kind of insane. So oh. really, really good sign. Yeah. Any any uh, tools that you recommend for heat map testing and some of that? Or I, I'm sure there's several that are good, um, but in, any thoughts there? It's hard to go wrong. I really like Hotjar uh, because the cost is great, right? It's This tool shouldn't break the bank. Um, you can do both heat maps and you can do um, screen recording where you're kind of looking at not just where did people scroll, where do people click, but what's the flow, 
because I think that's something people miss is the story, right? You know, you say, okay, wow, the bounce rate, you know, the rate of people that visit this page and leave without doing anything seems really high, but you don't understand what the cause of that is if you can't see, ah, oh, they scrolled down and they weren't, you know, they couldn't find the place to click. So I think that's a really, really cool part. And there's also a, uh, you can ask people questions, basically a little like yes, no question can pop up. So it's really, really robust. The price is great. Um, true conversion is another option. Um, some of the tools like uh, Crazy Egg was a good one, but man, it's pretty expensive for yeah. having all the same functions as everything else. So Gotcha. Gotcha. Really cool. And so the reason then you're looking at traffic by device type is so you can find differences and anomalies. And so, and so you can say, whoa, mobile way off. The, the conversion mm -hmm. is way lower than other places. So let me dig in a little further and, and investigate what that experience is like. Exactly. And I think that's the thing you can do that is kind of the easiest change to make is instead of doing the really broad look, right? You say our conversion rate on the page is 35%. You say the conversion rate on desktop is 50%. The conversion rate on mobile is 30%. So the thing to optimize is where the you know conversion rate is lower than our benchmark and most of the traffic's coming in. And I think that's kind of the trick to doing any of this, you know, lab coat hypothesis stuff is getting down to where you can actually make a meaningful change. Because if you just broadly, you know, if you look at your website and you say, hey, my website conversion rate is 2%, right? That's not a bad number. But you don't know if there's any action you can take off of that. Because that's incredibly broad, right? You may be having one or two people that come back and buy a ton of stuff every day. And they're sort of skewing it towards the good performance. Or maybe, you know, there's like some audience segment where you're spending all your money that's underperforming. So until you kind of dig down or, you know, niche down, I guess is the word in our, our particular industry, until you niche down to something specific, right, where you can identify the audience you're looking at, the action they're taking, and the sort of experience that they have when they're doing that, you can't do anything actionable. But when you've got those three things together, suddenly you can build the story, you can come up with your list of hypotheses, right, that'll solve the problem and figure out what your next step is. And that's the thing I always want with any of the data stuff is I don't want to tell people, here's some numbers. I want to tell people, okay, here's a number, here's another number. Here are the two things you can do. Do one of these two things. I can't guarantee you they're going to fix the problem. But if you take one of these actions, something will change and it'll help us answer this question of what's broken or maybe why is this working so well, right? Sometimes you find great opportunity and you want to be able to figure out what's working there so you can do it everywhere else on your site and everywhere else in your business. Yeah, I think that's actually an area that people skip out on sometimes, right? People are, we're, we're often just happy to say that worked and I don't know why, but it worked. So yay, <laughs> I'm just going to keep pushing it. Well, if you don't know why it worked, then you can't duplicate it or you can't know what to change then if, if the performance dips a little bit. And so, yeah, I think, I think really as, as we look at this, and again, going back to, you don't have to have all the answers right up front but you got to get visibility. You got to you got to see what's going on, right? And then you got to know what tools are at your disposal. Right? Just to make a a quick comparison, I'm a really terrible handyman. Uh, I break <laughs> things. I don't I don't have patience. I don't know what tools do. I'm just like which is crazy because my dad is like awesome at all those things. Uh, but I I, have, I just pay people because I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to use tools, right? So what I think you guys are so good at, one of the things you guys are so good at is giving people insight letting them know how the tools work online and how to get visibility and how to go from Facebook is this scary place, you know, online marketing is a scary place to, no, 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 here's how you get visibility. Here's how you make changes. Here, here's how you either 
uh, ramp up a campaign that's doing great or correct a campaign that's not doing great. So uh, you guys are awesome with that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about some of the, the changes to the landscape, right? So we were just talking about how sometimes CPMs go up, right? And that's just, that's the whole industry. You're, you know, all the Facebook costs going up. Um, there's some other changes coming, right? That have already happened. And so I want to, I want to, Hear from you, John, first on just kind of what you're hearing, what you're seeing on a couple of things. And then Molly, I want to talk to you about what you're hearing students say and a, and a couple other things related to it. But, you know, we got the, the CCPA, the California Consumer Privacy Act, I think is what it is. Nailed it. And then, and then some <laughs> other things with iOS 14 coming out. So there's a whole lot of doomsday stuff going on out there. What, what are you hearing and seeing uh, from that perspective, John? Yeah, so you mentioned the CCPA. Uh, and I'll just quickly kind of throw out my two cents on it, which is that it's not that different than a different acronym, the GDPR, mm-hmm. right? Which is the European Privacy Act. And the core concept is good as, as a human being because right. it right. is right. Protect, protect people's consumers. data is valuable and companies have been sort of exploiting or, you know, having an opportunity to sort of make more money off the data because nobody knew what it was worth. And we suddenly realized, wait a minute, all these personal attributes are actually super valuable um, and we need to be kind of protecting and respecting people's identities. So the core concept there is very good. As an advertiser, when you're used to being able to see, oh, you know, this per- I've got their IP, I've got their zip code, you know, I know that they had lunch at 1230 and it was, you know, a hamburger and uh, some French fries. Uh, it's a little weird, but I don't think it's bad. I think it's a good change. Um, but it's really just kind of a reflection of people need to opt in. And so the CCPA stuff, is you don't get to know all of this metadata is what they call it, right? But you don't necessarily get to know all this stuff. You can know, you know, that Facebook showed somebody an ad and that they clicked over to your site. All that's fine. But we're trying to just pull sort of the personal attributes out of it, which is not a bad thing. And it doesn't mean you can't target on Facebook, which I think is the thing that scares people. It's just saying that there's no way to go back and trace behaviors to the individual. That's really what they want to cut out of the picture. So I don't think the CCPA is um, bad. And it just means that there's kind of less data being passed from Hmm. Facebook to your uh, ads manager and then to your website. So all that's pretty good. Now, the other change, the, the one to iOS, that one makes me a little bit more nervous because it's not as much about protecting the person, right? Which I think is something I'm very much on board with. It's about I mean, it's a little bit about Apple trying to kind of clinch the fist and say, you know, we are running this data through our platform, so we're going to get a little bit off the top of it. And it is changing the way that events are triggering. So, you know, in in marketing on every platform, we want people to take certain actions, opt-in or buy. And those are events that get triggered and sent off to Facebook or to Google. And, okay, so we're a little bit... I'm in the middle of the test, right? We're, we're in the laboratory here right now. I don't have the conclusive uh, final facts for you, but John's I'll give you the, the little John's teaser. got the goggles on, <laughs> lab coat, beakers with steam coming out. Yeah, exactly. So I did a test on my phone, um, you know, iOS 13.3 or something like that, because uh, I never updated. And I created a brand new page, uh, set up a pixel, set up an event to fire. I checked it. Hey, it fired. Great, right? Okay, <sighs> nothing to worry about. Well, someone said, oh, I heard that Facebook's blocking, or rather, uh, Apple's blocking the events from firing to Facebook now already, right? We thought this might happen with iOS 14. Well, I did a test yesterday, and I am in the middle of quadruple checking myself. But 
when I did the same test uh, to check and see if the pixel fired off, it did not. So normally, you know, when I visit this page, it's supposed to send a note to Facebook that said, hey, you know, this page got visited. It was scrolled. You know, I clicked this button that I set it to trigger. Well, that didn't happen. And when I did it on my computer, not on my phone, it did happen. So mm. the initial data, right, not conclusive yet, is that something has changed earlier than we even expected. Um, and I still see some events coming from iPhones. So it doesn't mean that, you know, the global blackout on Facebook pixels on iPhones has happened. But I kind of think that the, the fears of iOS 14 got here a little bit sooner. Uh, and it's going to change the way that we make decisions as advertisers. Because the thing that Facebook got really good at in 2020, I would say, and Molly should definitely weigh in on this, but is optimizing for those events that we want, right? The purchases or the opt-ins. And it used to be you had to have 50 in a week. And honestly, Facebook got pretty smart where you didn't need that as much anymore, right? You could have a smaller budget and you could have less people purchasing or less people opting in and it could still optimize. But it looks like all of that may be going away. So I'm sure Facebook mm -hmm. has a workaround in mind, but there may not be a quick and easy flip to kind of our process in the next few weeks. So... I don't know. It's going to be an interesting September. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and so you guys have already seen this. Have you, have you seen this impact campaigns so far, Molly? Or is this more like a kind of an isolated test you're looking at, John? I think so, this is part of what's going on. I do. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. that we saw these big changes. It seems like CPMs went up. Uh, and, you know, I got the notification about the phone update that I didn't install the week that all this happened. And so, you know, that weekend is where everything, everything changed. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's definitely correlations. And, and like on. stuff like this has every year is something like this happens, you know, that it's like, I, I think it's always good to stay grounded in like the reality of what marketing used to be too. Like when you know, we were talking about this earlier, like you relied on people putting in a certain coupon code to track your billboard sales or like mm -hmm. magazine yeah. <laughs> ads, print yeah, ads. You're, you're stacking so, literal coupons, right? And you're counting them <laughs> and you got codes on them. Like right. think back to what marketing was, you know, a few decades ago or even a decade ago. Exactly. So, you know, obviously this is frustrating, but it's good to, to keep that in mind and realize that stuff like this pops up. This is what evolves our industry. We will figure it out. Facebook will figure it out. I'm sure they're aware of this. You know, Facebook doesn't want this to happen because they know that the less data that they're receiving, number one, Facebook's most important currency other than money, well, even data. more than money is data. data. So mm -hmm. they they don't want this to happen. You know, they're they're pretty darn smart. You know, <laughs> um, so they're looking at it from that side, but also from the side of as advertisers with those events not triggering, now Facebook is not as smart as it usually is to know exactly what's working and how to continue to do that for you. So that's the frustrating part and how this could be contributing to this like real increase in CPA and, and ad costs, um, I think is coming down to you know, the machine isn't getting the same amount of data. Like not only can we not track when an event is happening, which is frustrating, but it's also like the, the machine is fed by data. You know, right. this is machine learning. And so if it doesn't have as much data, the system's going to slow a bit and just not, 
not be as smart, but right. I know it'll get figured out. And it's something, again, to just factor into the story. There are thousands of variables at play when we talk about, um, you know, running a, a digital marketing campaigns. I mean, you never truly know exactly why you know, something happened because yep. there are so many factors at play. So this is just another data point for us as marketers to say, okay, this is part of the story of what's going on right now. And how can we learn as much about it as possible? And also like, how can we overcome this? So, you know, yeah. we're in the mode right now, John's figuring out like, let's do these tests, see what we think the impact is. And then the next step will be, okay, well, what do we think this means? Yeah. Yeah. We, we have to be good at pivoting. Right. And, and I love, we were talking about, you know, the marketing classics and, and, you know, people have built brands from scratch, grown brands from scratch forever, right? Regardless we're of- We're so what, spoiled. And yeah, yeah, we're so spoiled in 20... We're like, we can't trap this thing. We're angry. Yeah. yeah, which like, I mean, it does create real problems. Like if you've, if you've yeah. built your business on Facebook, uh, Facebook's algorithm, and, and now that's <laughs> slowed down, like, you, you know, you got some adjusting to do, but- you know, then you get you get better at remarketing, and you get better at email marketing, and you get you get better at at keying on your message. And right, there's always there's always been the funnel, right, of reaching cold people and then pulling them through the process. And that's always going to be the case. I do. Th I think you're right. I think Facebook is going to figure some things out. I think we'll have to adjust. I think there's going to be some hard work in the meantime. But yeah, I think I think yeah. our attribution might have to adjust. There are a lot of advertisers saying, "Hey, my results look a lot worse in Facebook." but my sales are still the same, right? Which really proves that this is a lack of tracking. So it's yeah. also just realizing like, keep big picture, right? Don't yep. hit the panic mode. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. It, it will be okay. And it's good to be informed and understand, but don't stay in that place. Like yep. you spend your time in that creative flow we talked about. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. So let's let's do this. We, we just have a couple minutes left, uh, which is a real bummer, man. I'm like just getting fired up. I want to ask keep you guys, talking. Like, a, million guys, a million more questions. I'll have to do part two. Uh, coming up, but but John, as we're uh, you know dealing with all these issues, and you know there's going to be more issues that face us in the in the coming years, and we got holiday prep coming up, you know, so lots and lots of traffic coming to our e-commerce stores in the very near future. Um, to make sure that our analytics and our data is in as good a place as it can be, what are some of the the places you spot check? Where are some places you look to see, um, you know, hey, the, these are some relatively quick things I can do that have the most bang for their buck to make sure I'm on the right track as far as data and analytics go? Yeah, great question. And I will start this off by saying Google Analytics isn't having much change to what it's doing yet, right? In right. 2022, ask me again, because I know there's some updates coming to Chrome, but yep. for at least the next couple of years, uh, you can rely on Google Analytics to kind of do the same stuff it's always done. Um, but the, there's a few things that I really, really like to kind of jump in and get a sense of before I... I'm going to drive a big chunk of traffic. And a lot of times we think about the holidays as, you know, these kind of um, big events. But really, if you step back and kind of get unemotional about it, a holiday is just a chance for you to drive a lot of traffic to your website um, through different channels than usual because people are in a buying mood, right? They are ready to purchase. And so maybe they're clicking on ads. Maybe they're just searching around for the perfect gift for dads over 45 that are good with schools but don't know how to use computers, right? <laughs> and so there's just going to be... Uh, I think I know of some of those people, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be a ton of people visiting your site. So the kind of three things that I recommend everybody look at, um, number one is your product page conversion rate. And 
even if you're an info business, you still have product pages, right? These are places where you're describing the things and have a link that says add to cart or buy now. Uh, this is probably the most important page on anybody's website. And you should have quite a few of them usually, right? If you're an e-commerce store, you may have a thousand of them. Uh, if you're an info product business, you may only have two or three or four. But you want to jump in and get a sense of what performance looks like right now. Because this is where you can kind of make some small tweaks today. You can set up some split tests today and make sure that you're well set up for the future. So you want to shoot for, uh, I would say, for products that cost, and it varies a lot by industry, right? So these are, let's say, very, very broad benchmarks. But you want to make sure that you're getting about 10% of people to click on the add to cart or the buy now or whatever button roughly from your product page for products that are less than $1,000. Um, if it's more than $1,000, you're looking probably closer to 4, 4%, 5%, um, just because it's a much bigger commitment. And again, that's grain of, grain of salt because that's that's broad. But but if you see that those numbers don't quite match up, right? If you're getting 1% or 2% of people clicking to the next step from your product page, that is a place you should be putting those heat maps that I talked about, right? Watching the sort of way people scroll around on the page because that's going to give you a lot of insight into what information should I change? Um, and just side note on that, the number one thing to test on any page, right? And you can just kind of do a simple test. You don't have to buy a $1,000 piece of software to do this, is your headline because the offer is the most important part of every page. And the headline is where you make the offer, right? It's where you put the value that the person is going to get. It's where you identify the problem they're facing. It's where you really uh, sell the experience. And so if you have a bad headline, that's the first thing I'd look at. Um, the next thing I recommend people look at is what we call bounce rate. And I mentioned it once already on this podcast, but it's basically a measure of if somebody visits a page and doesn't interact with it at all and then leaves, that's called a bounce. And you want your bounce rate to be roughly below 70%. So if you're seeing pages that you're sending a lot of traffic to and pages that you know a lot of people are going to be visiting during the holidays, you want to jump in there and try to tweak those a little bit so that people are sticking around and taking actions, right? It could be as simple as you know having a little pop-up in the bottom right corner. That's so popular and it really works where you can say, hey, have any questions? Chat with my team right now. That's a great way to get people to engage on a page. Uh, you could put a video on the page people can watch. There's all different kinds of things you could do that are not, you know, complicated or difficult, but just make it engaging, right? Make it something where they interact with it. And you can you find a very clear mapping of the more interactive a page is, the more likely it is to get people to take action. So that's a really good one. And then the last one that I think is really super important, not one a lot of people do, is look for broken links. Because we all have these nebulous spider webbing sites that have existed for, you know, two years for some people, 20 years for some people, right? Which is kind of crazy to think about. But there are a lot of pages on there that you don't really use anymore and you forgot existed, but Google has indexed them and your site points to them also. And so you want to just do a quick analysis and see, hey, what pages on my site are people visiting that are just 404s? And once you figure that out, redirect those links to the right place. Because if you have you know, the hot holiday gift guide for 2020. And it's showing a people link to a product page that you don't use anymore. You're sending all these people to go check this thing out. And when they're ready to buy, what happens? Oh, well, 404 page, I'm out of here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to bounce. Yep. And that is such an easy thing to fix to really just make sure the experience is great, right? Which is what digital marketing is truly about at the end of the day. 
uh, and to make sure that people can take the next logical action. Love it. Love it. Fantastic. Those are three amazing spot checks. You got to dig into that. I know we're up against a hard uh, time stop here. Uh, so Molly Pittman, for those, whether it's an e-commerce store owner or it's a media buyer, someone just saying, my business, I need more Molly Pittman in my business. <laughs> how can people Everybody does. connect with you? That's true. It's true. We all do. Like We should all be saying this. Uh, how can they either get involved with that 10-day boot camp or check out other yeah. traffic smart marketer things? What, what should they do next? I can link to all this in the show notes. Yeah, we'll link to the bootcamp. And right now, uh, enrollment is actually open for a very special class that we teach twice a year. It's called Train My Traffic Person. And it's a mentorship where we bring in about 150 businesses and take you guys through, or media buyers, you don't have to own a business. Uh, you could own an agency. Uh, a four-month program where we're live, John and I, for 90 minutes twice a week. Uh, the format is we'll teach some sort of topic. Um, and then the next call that week, we'll actually review your work. Um, and we have other coaches in that group too um, that just make sure that it's not just knowledge that you're getting, but also feedback, because I know that's where a lot of people get stuck. How do I implement this in my business? Or here I'm stuck. Here's a screenshot of my campaign. What should I do? Or here's my ad copy. Do you have any other ideas? Um, so yeah, we, we sell out every time, which is exciting. Exciting. We're really grateful for that. This is the fifth time that we've um, held this class. So Amazing. check that out, guys, at trainmytrafficperson.com if you're interested. Uh, but otherwise, smartmarketer.com, we put out a lot of free content. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, um, on the interwebs. <laughs> Everywhere on the interwebs. Thanks for having us. Yes. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> Molly, thank you so much. Thanks for, for joining yeah. and sharing your wisdom. Awesome as always. And so we'll, we'll link to all that in the, in the show notes. And hey, just a quick teaser. Like there is some dude that you may know who's on this podcast that also shows up to team traffic and talks a little bit about yes. uh, Google traffic and YouTube traffic <laughs> yeah. from, uh, on occasion. So I'd love to hang out with you and team traffic uh, as well. Cool. So really appreciate you, John. Thanks for bringing the thunder, man. Thanks for bringing the, the wisdom and the, and the insight and uh, really, really good. And so, um, yeah, I'll link to everything. Uh, do check these guys out and what they're doing. Uh, and with that, until next time, thank you for listening. Thanks for having us. I'll see ya. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.